What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the end of the NBA regular season and the upcoming playoffs, what's going on in Major League Baseball, and a few big pieces of news in the NFL. Episode 42 coming at you right now. and welcome back once again. I'm Landon Pangburn along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. Got more sports going on. Nothing huge happened in the past week, but still plenty to talk about. P, how you doing? I'm good. This is usually where I tell you how my weekend was, but I was with you the whole time. We were down in Waco for Lauren's graduation slash Mother's Day. So shout out to Lauren and mom. Uh, we did an escape room while we were down there. That was a new experience for us. I, I feel like that um, was was good for you. I think you and Tori kind of stole the show there. That was a great time. Tori is definitely the MVP of the escape room, but <laughs> I think we all had a good time. It was legit. And then since this is, since this is a sports podcast, we got to mention that Laurel and her friend got a picture with national champion basketball player, Mark Vidal of the Baylor Bears. They sure did. Huge weekend for the Baylor Bears fam. Yeah, it was kind of funny because at graduation, the president of the university gave this gave the speech, and she didn't care at all about them graduating. All she talked about was them winning the national championship in basketball. Yeah, she went into excruciating detail about the basketball team, like <laughs> when they lost in the Big Twelve tournament. That was tough to hear. You you could see the segue she was going to make, like the the perseverance, getting through COVID and all that, and creating champions for life. But yeah, it, it was tough getting there. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, why don't we go ahead and start off with a little NBA talk today? Let's do it. Yeah, we're getting to the end of the regular season. It ends on Sunday the 16th. It's looking like we finally know who our one seeds are going to be. There were were good battles down the stretch, but it's going to be the Sixers in the East most likely. And then in the West, the Jazz are going to wrap it up, kind of holding off the Suns there down the stretch. So what are you thinking about about the one seeds chances? Well, it's huge for the Sixers, as we mentioned probably a couple weeks ago. They are currently up three games with four to play, so they've essentially locked up that one seed in the East. And given how that race has shaken out in the East with a clear three-team tier with the Sixers, Nets, and the Bucks being by far the best three teams, it's massive to get the one seed. And the Hawks. <laughs> the Hawks. I know they're the five seed right now, right. but clearly they're in that tier. <laughs> they're in the top three tier, yeah. So it's, it's just huge for, for the Sixers to get the one seed, one for home court, and secondly, because they don't have to go through the other two teams. They only have to go through one of them, whoever survives. Making the Nets and Bucks go through one another on their way to Philadelphia is absolutely huge. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that, you know, it could be that year where one of these teams finally gets over the hump, like Embiid and Simmons and the Sixers. They could do it. Because if not, like it kind of feels like they might get blown up. I know that Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers and that era is kind of new there, but it just feels like they're ready to win. They've invested in winning, and if they can't get it done again this year, they might make a change and trade one of those guys. I kind of feel like we've gotten past that stage. We were at that that spot for a while, but I feel like they've kind of figured it out and they know their roles in that team now. I think it's pretty amazing that Ben Simmons is likely going to finish second in defensive player that you're voting this year. I think the consensus favorite is Rudy Gobert. I think depending on where you look, he's he's a pretty solid favorite. But the fact that Ben Simmons is going to get second and Joel Embiid is going to get like top five as well, which is pretty sick. There's, that's a really scary duo right there. 
I understand why people in the past had wanted to make a trade, make a move, see if they could switch some things up. But I think they're they're here to stay now. I mean, we'll see. They they definitely took a step forward, finally getting the one seed. That'll help them in the playoffs. But I'm just thinking, like, the scapegoat is gone. Like, for years it was Brett Brown, and now he's fired. And now Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers are the new guys, and they're not going anywhere. So if they lose in the second round again, I don't know. I, I could see them maybe making a trade finally, dealing Ben Simmons. We shall see. But uh, it's going to be fun. You mentioned the Hawks. The Knicks are the other big story. Just the fact that they're currently the four seed. They, they're going to make the playoffs for the first time since we were little kids, it seems like, right? Which is crazy. The last time I remember them being good was when they had Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston and Marcus Camby and all those guys. I guess they did make the playoffs back in, like, when we were in college. They just got broomed by LeBron every year for a couple years in a row, right? Yeah, I think that Carmelo team got like an eight seed and got swept but anyway yeah it's been a long time and then another team in the east that i want to mention the celtics tragic injury jalen brown goes down he needs wrist surgery he's out for the year after a career season so it brings up the question brad stevens is he getting fired or does this maybe bail him out He's not getting fired. I think he is considered too hot of a long-term prospect in the coaching industry to get fired, but it's not looking great for them right now. I don't think it's a Brad Stevens issue. I think it's largely a Kimball Walker issue, the fact that he's making so much money, and I think he's just past his prime. He's just had chronic knee issues, and given his playing style, he relies so much on his quickness, and he just doesn't have it anymore. I think they're going to be better if they can get him off the books. But uh, yeah, not a good situation for the Celtics. They're going nowhere without Jalen Brown. This is true. I don't think Jason Tatum can quite carry that load. So I expect an early exit from them. And then moving over real quick to the Western Conference, the poor Suns, (laughs) they're going to get the two seed. Most likely, you know, if the Lakers can win the play-in game against the Warriors, they're going to have to, the Suns are going to have to play the Lakers in a seven-game series, even though they got the two seed. Pretty brutal going up against the defending champions and LeBron and AD. What do you think about the Suns? Uh, You know, I love the Suns. And if it's not going to be the Lakers, I think the Suns are kind of my team in the playoffs this year. I honestly, at this point in time, I think I would favor the Suns over the Lakers in a seven-game series in the first round, right? Like, the the Lakers just have no momentum whatsoever. I know AD played a great game last night, which was huge for them. And they beat the Suns. (laughs) And they beat the Suns. Yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't looked like himself recently. LeBron, we'll see what he looks like. You can't just turn it on at 36 years old after being out for a while and just be dominant once again, even though if anyone's going to do it, it's LeBron. But I don't I don't think he's going to be able to do that right away. I think I would think the Suns, I would bet on the Suns to win in a seven-game series in the first round against the Lakers. Yeah, I'm, I'm really close with you on that one. It feels like a coin flip to me, but it's going to depend entirely on how LeBron looks this past week. I mean, he sat out some huge games recently. Like, he sat out against the Blazers, and that kind of felt like it could be the tiebreaker between, you know, having to play in the play-in game or not so the fact that he sat that game game out tells me he's pretty far from 100 percent. so yeah i just i don't have high hopes for the lakers but i don't know we'll we'll find out this week yeah for the lakers to win the championship they need 100 percent lebron and 100 percent anthony davis and nothing less is going to do it for them right yeah because they were so reliant last year on lebron and ad both playing like 44 minutes a game yeah and even when they were up three to one I think in the finals and AD had that scare with his heel injury and people thought for a second you know maybe he doesn't come back in the series and can the Lakers even finish this thing uh, you know I wouldn't have thought so if AD couldn't come back last year so anyway the point is they're so reliant on those two guys that yeah I just given how much time they've missed I don't expect them to have nearly the same you know durability and stamina they did last year during the playoffs yeah but 
in a way, this is really fun because we mentioned this, you mentioned this before we started recording tonight is this is the most open I can ever remember the NBA playoffs going into the NBA playoffs, right? Like there's been seasons before where before the season started, we're like, maybe there's eight or 10 teams I could win this year. But then as the season goes, it's like clearly teams separate themselves. You're like, okay, this is who the conference finals and the finals are going to be right now. I think any of those three teams could win the East. And I think there's any of probably four or five teams that could win the West, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the NBA, I always have, but if I have one knock on it, it's just, it, it lacks parity the way that other leagues have, and it's a little bit more predictable. You know, in mm-hmm. most years, there's three or four teams in any given year that can win a title. Like, you go back to the Cavs and Warriors playing each other four years in a row in the finals. Like, other leagues just don't have that. But anyway, this year, it feels like, yeah, there are six, seven, eight teams that could go on a run and win it. So, yeah, it is really exciting coming into this year because, you know, a couple months ago, people would have told you that the Nets and Lakers were on a collision course, but they've been so banged up, you know, having MVP candidates on the bench doesn't help. So, yeah, yeah any, anybody could win it. You just mentioned two teams playing each other in four consecutive finals. I have a related trivia question for you. Okay, go for it. All right, who is the only NBA player since 1970 to win four consecutive NBA championships? Since 1970? Yeah, so they're they're trying to exclude all those guys from the Celtics back in the day who won like a thousand in a row. So since that ended, who is the only player since then to win four consecutive NBA championships? Oh, it's I I feel like I it's somebody that kind of like switched teams. Mm-hmm. Uh God, I feel like I saw this recently. Um somebody like Andre Iguodala? A little bit before then. I'll give you a, a time period. It was the nineties, late nineties. Okay, it was the nineties. Um hmm. Robert Ori? Close. Steve Kerr. Okay, so two with the Bulls and three, two with the Spurs. Three with the Bulls, so ninety six through ninety eight with the Bulls and then went over to the Spurs, one in ninety nine with the Spurs. Interesting. Yeah, it's a good okay. One. Like that. It, it, sorry, and so who was it in the seventies? It was the Celtics people. Everybody in the Celtics. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Russell on like eleven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all <laughs> those guys. So yeah, that was pretty cool. So speaking of individual players, there's also some some individual player races and stats that I wanted to talk about. One is we have a really fun kind of down to the wire scoring race in the NBA. Right now, Steph Curry's in the lead, averaging thirty one point nine a game, and Bradley Beal's right behind him, averaging thirty one point four. Steph just wrapped up in April one of the best months of basketball we've ever seen, right? Yeah, he's been insane. Like making 10 threes every game. I think he, yeah, he's having an historic season in that sense. So he made 96 threes in the month of April, which is crazy. And in the month of April, he also averaged over one point per minute played. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I saw the other night he scored 42, I think in 29 minutes. Like that's just insanely efficient. And of course, you know, given the way that they are now with, clay out and obviously no kd he's just jacking up shots but it's not like he's shooting a bad rate i mean he's been unbelievable he's yeah he's ridiculous so that's pretty fun speaking of nba three-point shooters my guy who i haven't mentioned in a long time duncan robinson in the last week or two became the fastest player in nba history to 500 career threes only took him 152 games really yeah the flamethrower the flamethrower so jimmy neutron steph is going to break the all-time record for threes early next season i think he said uh do you think duncan gets there no (laughs) i don't (laughs) okay i don't at all yeah Steph, steph had a little bit of a delayed start in that he was injured a lot early in his career and they were pretty bad early in his career too. So yeah, he I mean he didn't come out and just like 
dropping bombs like he currently does right away. So yeah, Duncan Robinson, just in a good situation, has guys to create shots for him. So he's been really good to start his career. Another guy I wanted to mention is Carmelo Anthony passed Elvin Hayes to join the top 10 all-time in career scoring, which is a pretty incredible accomplishment. I don't really know if I have any follow-up on that, but to be a top 10 NBA scorer in history is pretty amazing. It's pretty special, but it kind of, it it makes me think of kind of like the line of thinking about Russell Westbrook, I feel like is very similar to Carmelo. Like you look at their stats and they're among, you know, all time greats in certain categories, but the way people think about them is not like that at all, right? It's just like there was something about their game. You know, Russell's too selfish. He's too inefficient. With Carmelo, he was a ball stopper. You know, he wasn't super efficient on offense either and didn't play much defense. So it's cool that he's going to be in the top 10, but I I am sad for Carmelo the way he entered the league, you know, top two pick with LeBron and up there with D-Wade and Bosh too in that draft. But the way he's going to be remembered is just kind of lukewarm. So, So fundamental difference between those two guys you just mentioned, at least in my opinion, Carmelo is not going to get there in terms of being an all-time great or remembered super fondly because he didn't care enough, I don't think. He never tried on defense. He wasn't really a winner. He doesn't have that leader mentality. Russ is the opposite. Russ cares so much, and he's so competitive, and he plays so hard that occasionally it leads him into bad situations. But I think Russ Russ's NBA accomplishments, at least to this point in his career, are remembered are going to be remembered well because of how hard he has played. Yes, and I respect Russ's effort, but doesn't that kind of like bother you a little bit? Like to know that Russ does care that much and wants to win, but he still just doesn't understand that like he should have taken a backseat to KD or like could just find ways to be more efficient. I don't know. I just find it frustrating. I feel like there's something wrong with his medulla oblongata. <laughs> Gosh, uh, <laughs> I think the history of the NBA would have changed if Kevin Durant had just stayed in Oklahoma City one more year. You think right? they would have won one? They had him down three to one. Yeah, yeah. They easily they easily could have won one. They were an equal team with those guys. I guess until Kevin Durant left. I don't know. There's no reason talking about that, but I don't know. They're just different to me. And speaking of Russell Westbrook, he just tied Oscar Robertson with 181 career triple doubles, which is most all time. So he's going to break that probably whatever tonight, tomorrow night, whenever they play again. And interesting stat is that Russ just became the first player in NBA history to record at least 50 rebounds and 50 assists over a three game span. Think about that for a second. Sorry, 50 rebounds and 50 50 assists. assists in three games. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's very impressive. Yeah. He, he just has some crazy stat lines. Yes. Like he'll just hit the 20s in any given category any night. <laughs> he had a 20, 20, 20 a couple yeah. of years ago, right? Or last year maybe. Yeah. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he and Bradley Beal are a fun combination. I wish that they were better. Like they're not even going to get into the play and I don't think. Are they going to be the 10? Uh, I think they're the nine right now. Okay. Yeah. So that, that guy who put $10,000 on them on the future to win the ship is still got some hope. He's technically alive for a little bit longer. <laughs> but I did see Bradley Beal is going to be out for a couple of days with a hamstring injury. Yeah, so potentially. a lot of implications there for the playoffs and the scoring title. Yep. You mentioned that earlier. Who are you hoping wins? The scoring title? Yeah. Mm, Bradley Beal, just because he has a sad existence otherwise. Just about to say that. Yeah. He has nothing else to live for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Steph's had a great career. He's already a Hall of Famer. Bradley Beal, he needs this. Yeah. Steph has plenty of other things to go on his mantle, you know, in the record books. Bradley Beal, he plays, he's played for the Wizards his entire career. Yeah, that's extra tough. And he's in trade rumors every year, probably gets his hopes up, and then it just kind of gets squashed. So hopefully he wins it. He needs it. I think we're about done with NBA talk, but I do have one more trivia question for you if you're up for it. Go for it. Let's do it. So who are the only three teenagers in NBA history to put up 40 
five and five in a game. And the hint is that one of them happened within the last 10 days or so. Oh man. Um, 45 and five, 40 points, five assists and five rebounds in a game. Okay. So the hint that's got to be Anthony Edwards. Correct. Cause I saw that he had like 42 mm-hmm. last week at some point. Yep. Uh, LeBron yep. gotta be, um, it's not Kobe. Cause he wouldn't get five assists. He wouldn't get five assists. <laughs> and, and people don't remember that Kobe didn't really play as a teenager. He got drafted out of high school, but he didn't play almost at all his first two years in the NBA. Really? Okay. Uh, Luca, not Luca. Um, but a current NBA star. Current NBA star. Oh, man. Kevin Garnett. First name was right. Kevin Durant. Kevin Love? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Kevin Love. Dang it. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Love super didn't play as a teenager. <laughs> no, he didn't. And sometimes I just forget about KD. It's tough. Because he only played one year at Texas. So, yeah, I guess he did come in at 19. He did. So, yeah. It was Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Anthony Edwards, only three teenagers ever to have 45 and 5 in the game. Ant-Man's pretty sick. He's fun, too. He, he gives some good interviews. So, yeah, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then one more thing before Ooh. we leave the NBA. All right. Uh, I just wanted to mention, because it was kind of funny. So, Luka Doncic, a couple of weeks ago, was in the headlines because he was one technical foul away from getting the automatic suspension. And as you approach the playoffs, you got to be careful about that. So, he vowed not to get another technical. And last night, he stuck to that promise. Instead of getting a technical, he got ejected for punching Colin Sexton in the nuts. <laughs> so Luca's getting innovative, getting creative. They're going to need that come playoff time. They sure are. I thought it was funny how earlier this year, Mark Cuban freaked out in the media because they said that Luca complained too much. He didn't, Mark Cuban went nuts. And now Luca's coming out to the media saying, I need to get better because I complain too much. That's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I respect Mark Cuban standing up for his guy, but it's kind of a funny t- turnabout. I do oh, think it's really turntables. <laughs> I do think it's funny how NBA players you can you can always visibly see them arguing with the refs. So you can just you tell when they feel like they are established, and then they immediately just start pleading with the ref on yes. every call. And Luca reached that at some point, kind of like late last season, was like, "I'm this guy now. I'm going to complain about every foul or everything." Just in general, that happens. And he does. And they all do. Every <laughs> yes, NBA star does it. They all do. <laughs> yep. All right. Do you want to move on to baseball? Let's do it. So now we are almost one quarter of the way through the Major League Baseball season. So it's at least worth looking at the standings now. And I think the biggest surprise for everybody in Major League Baseball is the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers went off to a crazy, really good start and now have lost five consecutive series and are only in third place in the NL West. Not looking real great. What do you think about that? Yeah, they're kind of in free fall. They started off 13-2 and two and now have lost 8 of 10. So they're just generally not playing well at all. I mean, I don't really know what's wrong with them. I know Trevor Bauer hasn't been good. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that they're going to get on track at some point because they're just too talented not to. But I don't know. Just sitting there in third place. So the answer is that nothing is wrong with them other than bad luck. We talk about it all the time how baseball is a large sample size sport about how guys have hot streaks guys have cold streaks but at the end of the year a guy is what he is his stats will be pretty consistent year to year it ten, tends to be what happens the dodgers have nothing wrong with them they have no weaknesses they're not even playing badly they just lost some games in fluky ways they still have the highest run differential the best run differential in the national league they're gonna be perfectly fine their pitchers have still been pitching fine they've been hitting okay they just haven't happened on the same day 
and they're going to still blow away everybody in the NOS, is my opinion. So I don't necessarily believe this, but because you just came out so hot with that, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Dodgers missed the playoffs. <laughs> that is World Series hangover. That is, okay, World Series hangover <laughs> I think is real, but they're not missing the playoffs. I don't know, man. They're lost eight out of ten. They're on pace to lose 100 games. Do you? Okay, so I know you're kidding right now. Do you think the Dodgers win the NOS? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I bet on them to win the World Series, so I guess I'm just being like a bit of, of pessimist about my bet. But yeah, I mean, let's be real. I think the Dodgers are going to get back on track. Their pitching's too good. I would still take the Dodgers minus five games in the NL West. Minus five? I'll take that. Like, which side? Against me or with me? I'll bet against you. You think they're going to win the division by less than five? Yeah. All right. I, I've got faith, not in the Giants at all. The Giants are going to fall off a cliff, but I've got faith in the Padres. Oh, I love the Padres. I just think the Dodgers are, are too good. Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, the the flip side of the Dodgers storyline is the Red Sox. Yes. They're 22 and 13 out of yes. nowhere. I have no idea what's going on there. I mean, people were really pissed off after they traded Mookie to the Dodgers for Alex Verdugo and whoever else. Just kind of felt like they were shedding payroll, tanking a little bit. You know, they lost Chris Sale to injury. Who knows if he's ever going to be the same? Most likely not, honestly. So I don't, I don't know. I, I guess Rafael Devers is kind of carrying that team. What's going on with the Sox? Uh, yeah, they are turning it around much faster than expected. I think people, after a little bit, kind of in some respect, liked the Mookie trade. They didn't like getting rid of Mookie, but they still thought highly of the guys they got in return, including Alex Verdugo. But yeah, they're they're turning this around much faster than expected. They've got a few guys playing really well. They've got J.D. Martinez playing well, Rafael Devers, uh, Xander Bogarts is still a good player, um, Kiki Hernandez who else do they have Marvin Gonzalez Christian Vasquez like they have some like solid above average players and they're just putting it together right now going from dead last in the at least last year to currently first right now is, is pretty sick yes yeah, good for the Sox Yankees not playing very well at all so that division kind of feels upside down right now it sure does and then a um, couple of little headlines here we got Albert Pujols got cut by the Angels what do you think about that one see yeah I mean he's an all-time great but also a cautionary tale of these huge long contracts when are they gonna don't learn? do it when are they gonna <laughs> learn I mean they're, they're gonna fade out at some point like you gotta do them for guys like Tatis or Acuna or maybe even Bryce Harper I mean how old was he when he signed that 13-year deal mid-20s yeah Yeah. like you just can't do it when these guys are 30 31 like Pujols and Miguel Cabrera because just the last half of those deals is just going to be horrendous especially given the fact that they don't even know how old Pujols actually is (laughs) like don't they think he could be 43 yeah maybe I mean those guys are basically the same right Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are both virtually worthless on a baseball field now right they those neither one of those guys can do anything anymore and they're both owed over 60 million dollars the next two seasons it's just you cannot possibly perform well as a team when you're paying a guy that's contributing nothing that much money. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not good. And at some point it's going to have to stop, but let's just kind of reassess when we get to the uh, the end of the contracts we just mentioned. Like Tatis, he'll be fine. He'll still be, what, 30 by yeah. the end of that one? <laughs> yeah, not much older than that. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> and then another huge kind of storyline for general major league baseball this season is the pitching Mm -hmm. wade miley threw a no hitter last week already the fourth no hitter of this season in baseball only a quarter of the way through the indians have been two of those four no hitters (laughs) so Mm -hmm. tough for them not having a good season at all but anyway what do you think about this you just mentioned earlier you think baseball is kind of a a large sample size sport do you think this is a trend that's going to continue or what do you think it is because it's not just a this season thing it's been heading in this direction for a while And one thing that I think is crazy. So the last time that a major thing happened in baseball with this was in 1968. 
The batting average was so low, it was 237, that they decided before the 1969 season that they had to lower the mound. And like I said, that was 237 that year. It was so bad they had to make a rule change. The major league batting average this year is 234. So it's three points worse than that. So it's pretty significant right now. We were talking about it over the weekend with dad a little bit. Like it's not some sort of fluke or small sample size thing. It's the fact that these pitchers are all throwing gas now. It was not that long ago. It was 10 years ago where if you had a guy coming out of the bullpen throw 95 or higher, that was seen as kind of a rare thing. And now every single person who comes out of the bullpen is throwing absolute gas. They have all these specialty pitchers who come in, not anymore for one batter. It was like that a couple years ago, but but guys who are coming in, they have great matchups. They have all this spin rate data that they can use to manipulate their pitches and make themselves better. Like just everything is heading in the direction of pitchers. And it's so hard to hit a baseball these days that I think something's going to have to change in the near future. Yeah. Isn't it funny how quickly these things change? Two years ago, they were talking about how there are too many home runs and we need to deaden the baseballs. And then you fast forward a couple years and we're talking about how we need to make a change because the pitchers are too far ahead of the hitters. Like it's just crazy how quickly that completely did a 180. But I, I have to give myself a pat on the back. I was ahead of the curve on this one let players take steroids no. <laughs> speed up the bats they can catch up to these pitches oh. make it a level playing field Gosh. but in all in all seriousness you just mentioned back in the late 60s when they shortened the mound i was telling you i was watching pti last week and tony kornheiser mentioned that he thinks it's time for radical change again and that they need to move the mound back a couple feet i mean it's it's an option i mean i don't know some sort, I'm sure some sort of mathematician would do this and figure out how far they'd have to move it back to give them an extra split second of reaction time. I don't know what the answer is, but I think it's, I don't know if it's going to happen really, really soon, but I would guess in the next five to 10 years, some sort of rule change is going to have to take place. One, because there's just too much dominant pitching and two, because the game is headed in a less entertaining direction of these three true outcome things. There's so many strikeouts, so many home runs, so many walks. And that's not the most fun thing to watch on TV, right? Where there's just not a whole lot of on-field action. So I think something's going to change eventually. I'm not exactly sure what it is, though. Yeah, you got to just, we need more base hits in there. I just want to see teams getting singled to death. Yeah, I want want some knocks, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, like, if moving the mound back actually starts to pick up any momentum, I feel like the pitchers are just going to throw a fit. So, like, any ideas for other things that we can do? Like, not letting hitters take steroids. I know you're against that, but like, what about going to four strikes or having the pitchers have to throw one pitch per at bat underhand or something? Coach pitch. Coach pitch. That'd be kind of sick. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it would be great. But yeah, I guess moving the mound back probably is the most realistic thing. It's just, it sounds so brutal for these guys who have been throwing from 60 feet, six inches for their entire lives. Now having to add two feet to it, that just sounds really hard. Yes, but guys are becoming more athletic. So eventually rules are going to have to change. You're going to have to change. <laughs> How mean, about we, that? We've already seen this in the NFL where guys have gotten bigger, faster, and stronger. So the rules about how and when you can hit people has changed. I think this is going to happen in baseball pretty soon. And then maybe eventually in basketball, like these dudes in the NBA at some point in time is like 10 feet's not going to be tall enough, right? Or the NBA three-point line is not going to be far enough. They're just getting too good and too athletic and rules have to adapt to the situation. You're not wrong. I could definitely see that in basketball, like moving the rim up six inches moving the three four point. inches something they already know. need to move the three-point line back i think maybe but then what do you do with the corner three because that can't get longer yeah i don't make know the court wider make the court wider but then there's <laughs> but then the offense just 
is it's impossible to stop, right? If you make the court any wider and they have to cover more space on defense, it's going to be like 175 to 160 every game or something like that. Yeah, right? like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wish that the NBA would have a four point line. We need Elon Musk here. We do. It's funny because you talk about these rule changes and they sound insane, but eventually they're going to happen. Like they have to. <laughs> yeah, things. I mean, just think about 30 years ago what all these sports looked like. It wasn't that. It wasn't that long ago that no such thing as the three-point line existed. And it wasn't that long ago that guys were playing football without like face masks. Like things just change over time. It's, it's going to adapt. It's going to look different, but it'll adapt hopefully for the best. It is funny how over time, how much the three-point line changed the game. Like last week, NBA TV was showing the 2001 finals game one between the Lakers and the Sixers. So I watched a good bit of it. And it's so like sloppy and inefficient like they just jacked up so many like long twos yeah just absolutely bricked them it's like what are you doing it it is a prettier game today like the old heads complain about it but it's a prettier game until you watch a game like that you don't realize how much it's changed right because it changes kind of slowly over time and then when you suddenly go from watching 2021 basketball to 2001 basketball and you see all these mid-range shots you're like what are they doing that's the worst most inefficient thing you can possibly do but it was just so outside of their thought process back then that it was the thing. Yeah, they, they took so many long twos and so many of them were like on the run and off balance. I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because it completely would change the way some guys played, right? I feel like half of these 15-foot bank shots that Tim Duncan shot would be considered bad shots today, even though he became a Hall of Famer by doing that. Yeah, exactly. I, it's crazy. I mean, there's going to be more change. We just, you know, can't predict the future. But anyway, we were talking about Major League Baseball. Somehow, you know, ended, really? up, ended up talking about Tim Duncan and his inefficient <laughs> shots, despite being a Hall of Famer. But I think let's uh, want to move on to the NFL, or do you have anything more? Let's move on to NFL. Let's do it. So, Big storyline that came out on draft day. Aaron Rodgers is unhappy with the Packers, apparently wants out, got some serious beef with GM Brian Gutenkunst, comparing him (laughs) to Jerry Krause. I just said the name. (laughs) I was being professional. All right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, Are you asking my thoughts? Is that what you're saying? I I was getting there until you laughed at me. You're trying to bait me into into being immature. Yes. Gutenkunst and Aaron (laughs) Rodgers have some serious, serious beef. And it's kind of funny because like Jerry Krause, you know, won titles. Gutenkunst hasn't won anything. I don't even know where he came from. So like if Aaron Rodgers wants him gone, they should just fire the guy. Of course, they want to like try and reconcile it before they take drastic measures. But yeah, wh- where do you stand on all of this? Where do you think it's going? Well, I think it's a couple of things are really interesting in that Aaron Rodgers is out for vengeance, right? Like, first of all, the fact they did this on draft day is pretty savage just to like wait until the very last second so they know what's going on, but they can't really do anything about it, right? Because it's kind of too late to make any huge moves on draft day. So, so I thought that it was strategic um, in the sense that like last year, Gutenkunst ruined his draft day by trading up for J- Jordan Love. So Rodgers was like, you know what? I'm going to ruin your Man. 2021 draft day. But then Adam Schefter came out and was like, I could have written the story like a week ago, but I just saved it for today. So, okay. I, yeah, so cause weird. it was kind of brewing like for months because they said that like the GM coach Matt LaFleur and other guys have, you know, flown out there individually to meet with Aaron Rodgers and talk to him and try to figure things out. So I don't know why he broke it on draft day because like if you're Rodgers and you're serious about getting traded, it would have been way more beneficial to come out earlier so they had time to make trades. But I don't think he wants to get traded. I think he wants to play for the Packers. He just wants the GM gone. 
You think so? Yeah, I think he's been watching The Office. Remember when Michael Scott Paper Company was about to get bought out and part of the deal was that, that uh, whatever it is, David Wallace had to fire Charles Minor? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Okay, <laughs> interesting. I mean, he is good friends with BJ Novak, so you never know. Is he really? Maybe. Yeah. That's so random. Yeah, well, people say that they look alike and then they just also happen to be good friends. That's weird. All right, so on, there's my, that. On, on my next point is <laughs> the other interesting thing to me is that Aaron Rodgers was apparently telling free agents that he might not be back with the team and to not sign with them this offseason. Did you read that? Yes, which to me indicates that he's very serious about leaving. Yeah, I once I thought about that, I immediately retract my previous statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I so think you might be right. It seems like we're both kind of all over the place on this one. I really just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, like, I have no idea. If I had to bet on it, I don't think it's going to happen. But I did the same thing last year. Like I would never have believed Tom Brady was leaving the Patriots until it happened. Yeah, the the GM and the coach seem very, very adamant that they are not going to trade Aaron Rodgers, and he's still under contract. So unless they want to do it, he's not going anywhere. But he also seems very serious that he's not going to not going to play for them anymore. So I don't know. Yeah. So apparently his preferred destination is the Broncos, and it actually got to a point a few days ago where the Broncos became the Vegas favorite for you know week one where Aaron Rodgers is. But now it's back to Packers as the favorite minus 110, Broncos plus 125. Right behind them is the Raiders at plus 600. And then I think like the fourth best odds is just that he's not on any team. So basically predicting that he retires in that event. Minus 10 and plus 125 is basically a dead heat. That's that's shockingly close to me. Yeah. So coin flip that he is on the Packers, coin flip that he gets traded to the Broncos. I don't know what the Broncos would give up. I kind of hope that it doesn't happen because I want the Broncos to be punished for not taking Justin Fields at nine because that was very, very dumb, I think. So I don't know. Yeah. It would be exciting to see him go somewhere, but I don't know. That That's not the best division to go to. How much do you think it was dumb and how much are you a little bit salty that we didn't get Patrick Sertan? Uh, both. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, I was watching the draft with Joey. He's a Broncos fan. So he was hoping for Fields. I was hoping for Sertan. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched that pick and we were both devastated. Like, yeah. what the hell is that? That sucks. But yeah, I just, I don't know why they didn't take Fields. Maybe they had some inside info. Clearly, you know, Rogers wants to go there. Maybe there was some behind the scenes conversations. Don't know. Any chance that Aaron Rodgers just really fell in love with being the Jeopardy host and wants to do that long term? It's possible. I mean, he's been very candid about the fact that he wants to be full-time Jeopardy host. So, yeah, he'd be closer to uh, California where they filmed that. I don't know. I forget. Did you watch any of those episodes? I did. He was very good. He was good. I liked him a lot. I did, too. I can't imagine, you know, he's the best person for the job long-term, but... But he was good. Happy for him that he wants it. Yeah. And and another people or another factor that people have brought up is Shailene Woodley and all this, his kind of, you know, random out of nowhere fiance. I feel like maybe she's pushing him a little bit. Like clearly you're unhappy with your career. Make a change. You saw what Brady did. Force your way out. Yeah. I mean, she has a history of being divergent, so. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know that she was in Divergent, but context clues. Good, Jay. There you go. Thanks, bro. All right, so moving on to another storyline about a different one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Tim Tebow signs with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end, reuniting with Urban Meyer. You think he's going to catch some tutties from T-Law this year? I don't know. I feel like he has a better chance of running for some tutties, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think that once they get into, get into the red zone, the only two plays are going to be, you know, the jump pass, you know, bring Tebow in, do a jump pass, or just like a tight end around. You're kind of sick. <laughs> I was thinking Tebow is playing quarterback and running the ball because he's 240 pounds and jacked. I mean, it's not impossible. Just no. some kind of like hybrid Taysom Hill role. Yeah. 
Kind of like a, a less speedy version of Taysom, a power version of Taysom Hill. I guess it's well, possible. Taysom's pretty powerful, but yeah, he is. He is, but Taysom is also like freaking blazing fast. It's funny because I feel like there is some possibility that there's a red zone package for Tim Tebow, but it would just be hilarious, like taking a quarterback that's supposed to be this generational talent number one overall and pulling him in the red zone. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He's going to be playing 99 point something percent of the time, but there is a likelihood that Tim Tebow will come in occasionally on the two yard line and catch the ball in shotgun and, and run a power up the middle for a touchdown, right? Like, that's, yeah. yeah, like that's a, that's a viable role for him. Yeah, but I, I guess one thing that we need to consider is that there's no guarantee Tim Tebow even makes the team. Yeah, like for sure. he, he could easily get cut. But for there sure. is a guarantee that Anthony dresses up as Jaguars Tim Tebow for Halloween. Yes, that'll be sick. That'll be electric. I like that. So I don't know if you checked out the Vegas odds today. So before they signed Tim Tebow, the Jags were plus 10,000 to win the Super Bowl. And now after signing Tim, T- Tim Tebow, uh, the Jags are, are, are plus 10,000 to win the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> I, I was not sure where you were going with that. I was waiting for some significant increase in odds and just was going to die, but that was pretty funny too. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, not, not much of an impact in I'm, the long term there. I'm definitely not taking that. I mean, that kind of puts into perspective what we were talking about earlier that apparently esteemed better that bet on the Wizards plus 10,000 to win the NBA Finals this year. Like those are the odds for the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl. There's literally no chance of that. No. <laughs> like, who's betting on the Jags? No, but if John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I'm going yes. to be a very rich man. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 yeah. 10, to 1's big. Yeah, I like so, that. Uh, I need to look at Super Bowl odds. I feel like after the draft, people are kind of gravitating towards a couple teams, one being the Browns. Like, the Browns have had a couple really good off seasons, really good drafts. People are jumping on the Brownies bandwagon. The Browns are definitely up there, and I did see a headline today. It said something like, money is pouring in on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, which is tough because we've mentioned before how the Bucks are returning all their starters from the team that won it, but it's just so hard to win it. It's coming up on 20 years now since anyone's done it, and if anybody's going to do it, it's Tom Brady, but not even he's done it in the last 20 years. It's just so hard, and it requires so much good fortune in terms of injuries and it's just a hard thing to do, so I don't know. Yeah, Bucks have the second best odds at plus seven hundred. I mean, Chiefs are first. Yeah, Chiefs plus five fifty. It, it's just crazy thinking back to the Bucks. You know, Tom Brady coming in there year one, COVID, no offseason program. You know, no time to build chemistry with his new offense, and they just win it. Like, so I get why people are thinking that. Just with a full offseason, you know, there's not going to be any Super Bowl hangover because you know what Tom Brady's done with the Pats in the past. I get it. I might bet on him too. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Uh, I have no idea. It's I'm going to wait till the, the off season plays out a little bit more, see what happens and, and make my bets then. Yeah. There's a long way to go. I mean, there are still some outstanding uh, free agents out there. Some, some good vets. You got Richard Sherman. So I don't know. There are a couple guys out there. I think Casey Hayward just signed with somebody. Uh, Eric Fisher just signed with the Colts, which is big for Carson Wentz's soup knee. He did. I saw a good J today from somebody on Twitter. It was, um, Wait, sorry. Who'd you just say? Eric Fisher signed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was like uh, Carson Wentz gets a new blindside blocker, and they were like, "Is he playing center?" <laughs> <laughs> Carson Wentz. He just. I don't think he sees the field all that well. No, so I don't think he sees much very well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, that's about all I got for today. Unless you have more. Yeah, a little UFC. We got UFC 262 this weekend. Unfortunately, we've already lost two really big fights, including what was going to be one of my favorite fights, which was Nate Diaz against Leon Edwards. It got postponed until I think next month, so that kind of sucks. But the main event is. 
gonna be sick. We have the 155 belt. This is, I don't know if you're aware, this is to replace Khabib. Because Khabib retired, he's no longer the 155 champion, so this is to fill his role as champion. It's Michael Chandler against Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira might be my favorite fighter to watch currently in the UFC. Absolutely nasty ground game. I think he has the record for most submissions in UFC history, but also a good striker. Michael Chandler is pretty much a newcomer to the UFC after being in another organization for a long time, but he's a nasty wrestler, has has some serious power in the stand-up game. Both of those guys are really, really good and fun to watch, so I'm excited about that fight. Yeah, sounds like a good card this weekend. I mean, if these guys just keep winning, keep climbing, climbing the ladder, eventually they'll be, you know, main eventing against one of the Paul brothers. God, so bad. <laughs> I can't stand that. No. I saw I saw a graphic about the Floyd Mayweather. Um, it's, yeah, it's Logan Paul fight coming up. And it's just so funny to see Floyd Mayweather fifty and zero. Logan Paul, 0-1. It's like, why are these guys fighting? It makes no sense. Well, it's it's obvious why they're fighting, right? Because because Floyd Mayweather has spent all of his money. Correct. And because Logan Paul is young and still wants to make money. Yeah, there was an interview of 50 Cent ragging on Floyd like he always does, just talking about, I mean, this is Floyd's lifestyle. He he makes $100 million, spends all of it. Yes, all of it. On like, <laughs> and he's on like, like silk, dead broke. Silk walls and solid gold toilets. Stroke the fuzzy wall. Gosh, do you remember the funniest exchange ever between 50 Cent and Floyd Mayweather? No, I don't think so. When when 50 Cent said that Floyd couldn't read and then <laughs> and then offered to to give him like I forget how much money it was. It was a lot of money. I don't know, like $500,000 if he would go live on TV and read a full page of Harry Potter. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. No. It's funny for someone who kind of notoriously runs out of money and could really use an easy 500k to not that's, do that's that. That's what I'm saying. That's Maybe I'm he saying. just didn't want to succumb to that level of trolling, but he <laughs> might not be able to read. Yeah, he legit might not be able to read. I don't know how that beef started, but it's hilarious. It's been going on for like decades now. Yeah. And both those guys are kind of irrelevant now, but the beef is still hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff. All right. That's a great way to end our episode today. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. Thank you for tuning in once again. Don't forget to follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We'll be back next Monday. Hope you all have a good day.